Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And it has been a wild and crazy month since we last spoke. Lots of players changing teams and lots of craziness going on from a personnel standpoint in the NFL, but one team remains relatively constant, and that's both a positive and perhaps a negative. We'll talk about that as we go on. And that, of course, is our beloved Green Bay Packers, who were able to keep some of their most important guys, maybe lost some important cogs, uh, but when the dust settles, uh, they're one of the only teams in the NFL that's going to closely resemble the team that we last saw when the NFL season was underway. So we're going to talk a lot about that, and we've also had a very active Facebook page as of late, and we're going to get to many of your questions as well and uh, comments and uh, discuss all things Packers. And uh, this has been one of the more exciting off seasons, uh, starts to an off season that I can remember in quite some time, and, and maybe just because of the hurt of last year, I paid more attention. But Matt, I don't remember the NFL free agency period feeling quite as wild westish as it did this year. No, it was. It's never been like this, and I, I don't think it has anything to do with the way the season ended. It just was absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually you come into it with high hopes that some exciting things will happen, and it just seemed like a ton of things happened, and just a bunch of weird stuff, mm-hmm. and and key players from all teams basically switching hands. So it's it's one of those years that I'm going to look forward to because it's always interesting to see guys in new uniforms that have been playing in the same place for a while. And there's a ton of those guys. Yeah, especially when you are talking about important ball-carrying positions, which are the most notable. Uh, There's always some big defenders that switch sides and stuff, but it's not quite the same as a quarterback or a running back or a big wide receiver, and and there's a lot of that going on. But let's talk about what did not change, and that's Randall Cobb and Brian Bulaga both taking somewhat of hometown discounts to stay with the Green Bay Packers. It got a little bit of a white-knuckle time as we got close to the start of official free agency, but in the end, both Cobb and Bulaga came back. Cobb is 24 years old. Brian Bulaga is 25 years old, even though he looks like he could be my dad. <laughs> but it's nice to get both of those guys back, and I guess, was there ever a doubt that it would happen, Matt? Well, yeah, I guess so. I, it sure seemed like at first that Cobb was a goner, as much as we all wanted to keep him, mm-hmm. but... Um, it, I mean, it was really nice. You pay kind of a little bit higher price than you want to, but I guess when you compare it to the contract of some of the other guys that are getting similar deals, he's a really unique piece, um, and he just does some different things. So it, I think it's a it's money well spent. Yeah, he's going to be making conflicting reports, but at least what Nelson is making, maybe a little bit higher, but mm-hmm. still pretty close. So essentially you're paying for two number one receivers. The rumor was that he had four or five other offers on the table for more money, and uh, the story that he told, and I guess I have no reason not to believe him, is he was at a friend's wedding, standing up in the wedding, and finally he told his agent, uh, as we got close to the 11th hour, that I don't care about any of those other offers, just get me back to Green Bay. Uh, He said he was almost having a panic attack about the idea of not being there anymore, and uh, granted, as much as that story is awesome and already a guy I really like makes me like him even more, but uh, he's still got his fair share. But it, it's nice that he did value uh, championships and maybe the potential to uh, play with a great quarterback for another four years. Uh, he's going to get paid, but uh, I, I like the decision he made, obviously. Well, right, and I, you can say that as much as you want, that guys want to go back to winning teams, and a lot of guys do, but almost never do they take the deal. Yeah. It, they're always going for the money, and not to blame them for that. I think everybody would. But because uh, you can talk about it like, well, it's only $11 million in the other place. Well, that's a whole million dollars more. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Ask I Andre Ryzen how much he'd do for a million dollars right now. Yeah, no kidding. So I, I think that you can't blame him at all for wanting to go elsewhere, but it's really nice that we get Jordy and we get Cobb on these manageable deals at least they're they're big but you can at least still do some other things even though you've got two high-paid receivers so yeah it's it's really good it would have really hurt to lose another uh, critical cog for this offense yeah definitely and also brian bulaga taking somewhat of a of a hometown deal as well i think about seven million dollars and now, what was called the best offensive line in Mike McCarthy's tenure by McCarthy himself, and Rodgers has alluded to it as well, is now going to be together at least through the 2016 season. Mm-hmm. And i got to say I'm much more surprised that Brian Bulaga is back than Randall Cobb. Yeah. I, I felt like just somehow that the Cobb deal was going to happen and that after letting so many of those talented 
pass catchers leave uh, in the last few years that they had to start holding on to some of them. And, and Cobb, like you had mentioned, is a little bit more unique of a talent than either James Jones or Greg Jennings. And But to keep Brian Bulaga, who played really nice last year, but also had had some injury problems, and I thought he would just be too pricey for what the Packers had. And, yeah. You know, Bakhtiari, Sitton, Lang are all coming up soon uh, for contracts, and I'm sure they'll figure it out, but I'm kind of surprised he's coming back, but I'm very happy he is. Yeah, I mean, I sort of just assumed he was gone, like you said, for all those reasons. I mean, he's gonna somebody's going to pay him. You've got all these guys coming up that are going to have to be paid, which are probably a little bit more valuable even. But we clearly saw last year what a good offensive line finally did for this offense, and it was definitely the best one we've had. And everything just seemed to run a lot smoother at times. The run game was better. Rodgers was barely getting hit. So, it you know, even against a team like Seattle, he had times where he had all data to throw, Mm -hmm. and that's something he hasn't had before. So that if you can keep them together for even a couple more seasons, I think that's really critical. So I'm pretty pumped that they did it too. Yeah, well, just think of that New England game against the defending Super Bowl yeah, champions. Right. There was a 20-second pocket for Aaron Rodgers on one of the plays. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just ridiculous. Yeah, and so it'll be interesting to see uh, if other guys follow the lead of these two. At first, I was like, gosh, I, I was, as we were getting closer to the Randall Cobb thing, I'm like, gosh, I wish Jordy wouldn't have taken that hometown deal because he screwed up our pay structure, and now they're not going to pay anybody. And now two more guys have done that. Yeah. And... I talked in our game right after the NFC Championship game how worried I was about that loss destroying this locker room, and I am 0% worried about that now. To see guys like Cobb and Bulaga in the prime of their career that could have cashed in to go elsewhere, and both of them openly talking about part of the reason they wanted to come back is to finish what they did last year. Um, I have zero fear that this team is going to be motivated and ready to go to avenge what happened. Yeah, after that game we talked about kind of the two different reactions, and it sure seems to be the the latter and the one that we were hoping for, that it's going to be that extra spark that in a, a lot of cases championship teams need to get to that point and to drive them through the whole year. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's always something like this that comes up or a, or a crushing defeat from the year before. So it seems like at this point it's early, but this could be the fuel maybe for another run at a championship. Yeah, and let's, let's hope so. Uh, not completely uh, great news, though, for the... the free agency period, uh, lost Devon House to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who mm-hmm. apparently thought that Devon House said Deion Sanders. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, I, I, they need to watch more Packer games. And then Tremont Williams leaving for Cleveland. It seemed as the days went by that there was a chance he might come back, but then hearing Cleveland essentially gave him $7 million a year, which was almost double what the Packers were offering. So definitely sad to see him go, um, and probably more sad for you than me. I know he was one of your favorites. Yep. Yeah, I, I'll never forget the run he had for the Super Bowl. I mean, those playoffs were insane. I, he pretty much led that defense, and I ended up buying a Tremont Williams Super Bowl jersey just because of that. I mean, I, I associate what he did with that playoff run. It was him and Rodgers to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, since he was a rookie, he was always so much fun to watch. So it it is sad to see him go, and it's weird to think that, you know, you're rooting for this guy as a rookie, and now he's gone because he's kind of out of his prime already. So it's just kind of the life of being an NFL fan. It just seems like careers go too fast, and, and then all of a sudden you see James Jones and Greg Jennings and Tremont Williams ending up on bad teams just to get their last paycheck. Yeah, and at least he went to Cleveland, so you can still kind of cheer for him. He didn't end up Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and they were talking like he was going to go to Seattle, which that wasn't going to be that much fun. <laughs> but, yeah, I, the thing that's going to hurt now is I didn't necessarily think those guys were must-re-signs, but now you got quite a void. Yeah, you really do. I don't have much confidence in Casey Hayward. Granted, we're in March, and there's a lot of things that could happen, and you know, if they draft another 2010 Sam Shields, everything will be just fine. But... Uh, it's a little bit concerning, and there's still some time left in, in the uh, in, in the free agency period. But, yeah, just kind of weird to see a cornerstone like Tremont Williams leave. And, yeah, like you were mentioning, the 2010, when I think of that Falcons game, it's him running down the sidelines. And, uh, honestly, the other big memory I have of him is that interception to seal the big comeback victory against Dallas. It, just an amazing play. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, he, he's definitely going to be missed. Seemed like a good guy, and uh, hopefully somehow he find success in Cleveland, although I think it's going to be hard to come by. Well, it's on, it seems like they've got a decent defense at least, so they're probably not going to win a ton of games, but at least he can take pride in that, I guess, for his last uh, his last few years in the league. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, Charles Woodson's still playing, so he might That's hang true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
just get an, on an even worse team than Cleveland after this contract is up. Yeah, maybe uh, Texas University yep. or something like that. <laughs> And also a kind of a subtle re-signing was Scott Tolzien, which appears to be the end for Matt Flynn in Green Bay. And I think after the preseason last year and some of the action that Flynn had in games, it seemed like this was the course of action that was going to take place. And uh, so to kind of wrap up another interesting Packer career, uh, weird to see Matt Flynn potentially go for good. Yeah, and what a really weird career, too. (laughs) I mean... At times, he thought he might be good for a while, and then he came back, and he at least kind of helped save our season last year. But the whole time, he just kind of knew, you know, the last few years that he wasn't that good of a quarterback. And uh, he's finally out, and I bet somebody will pay him probably elsewhere again. He'll get another contract because everybody's desperate. But, uh, yeah, yeah, strange career. I'm kind of glad to see them keep Tolzien over Flynn, but it'll uh, – mm-hmm. he did some things here, I guess. <laughs> he was valuable at times. Who, Flynn? Yeah, Flynn. Oh, I'm going to kind of miss Flynn. I mean, they – definitely made the right decision with Tolzien. It was obvious last preseason, and quite frankly, it was obvious in 2013 that uh, I'm still of the belief that had they just committed to Tolzien, that the it wouldn't have ended up all that differently. Because, yeah. I mean, that game against the Giants, he was great. He just threw three interceptions. Uh, right. So I think he's definitely the guy, but Flynn is going to have the... I don't know how the history books are going to talk about Matt Flynn, because he's kind of a weird guy and he he's very mild mannered and he isn't that great of an athlete and then you look at his actual resume and he's all over the packer record books and he won a national championship at lsu it's it's there's people much better than him uh that nobody's going to remember i mean think of a, a matt stafford who's much much better from an actual talent standpoint that hasn't done a quarter of the things that matt flynn has done (laughs) (laughs) so very very interesting some other Packers, or old Packers, that are still on the market that I wanted to talk about real quick, uh, B.J. Raji, John Kuhn, and then Latroy Guyon, who uh, somehow it sounds like they might not even charge him, which, you know, I, I try a regular guy who just works a regular job having the kind of drugs in their possession that he <laughs> yeah, had no kidding. and not getting charged. Uh, yeah, you're gone for 30 years probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But do you want to comment on any of those three guys? And I guess if maybe you've been more tapped in than me. I haven't heard much rumbling about either three. No, I haven't either. looks good. Okay, yeah, well, I, you would think they would bring in you know, make sure to bring back one of those 2D tackles if possible. And obviously, you probably prefer Raji with what's going on with Guyon. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some talent out there at D-Tackle. I don't think Potrost has signed anywhere either yet. No. So, I, and I know there's a couple other guys. I think Will Fork might be going back to New England. I haven't heard anything. Or he's going to Houston, I think, now. I don't um, know. I haven't. But there, there's a bunch of them out there, and they're, none of them are getting money. So you would think you could fill that gap up pretty good. Even if it's just Raji for another year or two, I'd definitely like to have him back. Yeah, and I think he might be a bargain. I, I I think if it goes another week or two and Raji's not with anybody, I feel like that he's going to end up back in Green Bay. Yeah. But, yeah, I think they definitely need to get one of those. And let's talk a little bit about the remaining needs on the team. And there's two glaring ones. Inside linebacker, which is sort of glaring. They lost Brad Jones. They lost A.J. Hawk. Um do you want to talk about the, the departure of A.J. Hawk at all, since we sort of wrapped up the careers of other two other longtime Packers? I guess I am uh, a lot less nostalgic about this one. <laughs> I mean, he was a starter for many years, I guess. Um, he, he had some good years. <laughs> That's indisputable I, that he was a starter for many yeah, years. But yeah. I mean, I don't want to downplay his career too much. He had some nice years, but I... I mean, overall, you look at his career sort of a bust, I guess. I don't know if you can call him a bust considering he started for so long but never really reached the potential we all thought he had. Mm-hmm. I mean, we thought we were getting a Hall of Fame linebacker there when we drafted him, and everybody was excited. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I was never the biggest fan. He was definitely a liability the last few years, so you kind of got frustrated with him. But, I mean, he had a long career with the team, so it's uh, it's good to see him get signed elsewhere and continue his career, but it was probably the right time to move on. Yeah, it's weird to see him go because he was drafted, what, you were just finishing high school? Was it 05 or 06, I think? 06, yeah, and I I was my first year of college, so that was, it's just kind of weird. It's it's been a long time that A.J. Hawk has been a Packer, and yeah, I want to go back and watch 06 some more because he seemed like such a dynamic playmaker running all over the place, and then he never was that good again, and so I don't know if he was a a bright-ish light on a really dim defense that we had that year or or what happened but yeah never quite 
recaptured that or, or really was anywhere close to the playmaker. And the debate on whether or not he's a bust, I think he certainly is as the fifth overall pick. But yeah. he is um, fits nicely into that 06 draft class, which at the time people were saying, wow, this might be the top, the best top five in the history of the draft, and they all sucked. Yeah, so, it's true. It's not like you felt like you missed out on anybody looking back on it, because, I mean, that was the Mario Williams draft, too, right? Yeah, Mario Williams, Reggie Bush, Vince Young, uh, DeBrickshaw Ferguson, who's all right, and then A.J. Hawk, and I think, what, Vernon Davis, and then Matt Leinart a couple picks later. Sure. And that, those were supposed to be all, like, Hall of Fame players, and you've had Vernon Davis is a nice player, and Ferguson's a nice player, and Williams is a nice player, and everybody else is pretty much a colossal bust. Yeah, yeah, kind of a stranger. Yeah, they were all superstars, and they kind of all flamed out. Yeah, so I guess he fits in nicely, and I guess I wish him the best uh, with yep. the Cincinnati. And he's, he's back home. I don't know if he's from Ohio, but he, that's at least where he played at college, so it's nice yeah. to be back closer to that. Yeah, definitely. So the Packers, do you think they'll get anybody to fill some of these holes? Oh, also the cornerbacks. We kind of talked about them a little bit, so Casey Hayward's going to have to, to step up and, and see what happens there, but... Uh, so at this point, I don't know a ton of guys who are left out there. I'm sure there are some that would be the Latroy Guyon type, but man, that's kind of a, a scary idea that they go after uh, those positions in the draft. Yeah, I think we'll see him sign a guy or two, and it'll probably be a guy like like Guyon was last year that was really under the radar, but ended up contributing because I, you can definitely fill with the draft, but with the amount of liability positions they have right now and openings that it seems like they need, need to fill. I don't think they'll try to do it all with the draft. They seem to realize that they're in the midst of their reign and they need their potential is right now. That they're re-signing everybody. Um, they're trying to make a push and I think this organization is ready to make a big run. So I, I don't think you go into the season with four or five positions that look like, you know, they need to be filled or they're going to have backup type players starting in them. So mm-hmm. it'd be nice to see them fill a couple of them at least now and there's still some decent players out there, at least. I mean, you might kind of get the journeyman guys, but it's probably better than you have. So I, I would hope they sign one or two. Yeah, and I think they probably will, and I don't think it'll be a difference maker like, you know, Julius Peppers or anything right, like that. Right, no. But then at the same time, they have such a deep roster right now that they do have options, because if yeah. they decide to keep Clay Matthews in the middle, well, then all of a sudden inside linebacker is not a problem anymore. True. And if... Casey Hayward is at least serviceable on the edge, your third cornerback could be Micah Hyde. And all of a sudden, your secondary is maybe not where you'd want everybody, but it's certainly not this, you know, Ahmad Carroll, Joey Thomas type yeah. secondary. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, but this the team that they've built to get to this point, to think that they only have two really glaring weaknesses, and that offense is almost untouchable. I mean... Every single position outside of maybe tight end is an outright strength. I mean, they should be okay no matter what happens. And, and think if they get a draft class that's anywhere close to as impactful as last year's, they'll be absolutely fine. Yep. So the Packers look to be okay. The rest of the NFL looks to be going crazy with all the different moves that have happened, the most notable being the Philadelphia Eagles that decided that 20 wins in two seasons not good enough. Let's just get rid of everybody. And apparently Chip Kelly only watches Oklahoma football and not any other film on other teams because he just had to have Sam Bradford. He traded more to get rid of Nick Foles and draft picks to get Sam Bradford, a guy who hasn't played since midway of 2012, and when he has played has been basically terrible. Um, that might be the strangest trade I've ever seen in 20 years of being an NFL fan. Well, they both have this conception, uh, like, preconceived notion about them that, like, I never understand for either Foles or Bradford, whereas Bradford continues to be this guy, apparently, that everybody wants and thinks is great, but, I mean, we, you and I have joked about the guy for the last few years when he plays because he doesn't throw it past five yards and looks <laughs> terrible every time. Yeah. You're never afraid to lose to Sam Bradford, mm-hmm. and but for some reason, not only did they give up Foles, they gave up a second-round pick. And there was even a report, and I think Chip Kelly must have made this up, but that somebody offered him a first-round pick for Bradford after they acquired him. Yeah, I, I had heard that, too. It was, uh, I can't remember what team. It was somebody who had a pick in the mid-teens. Yeah. And then on the opposite side of things, Nick Foles had an incredible year two years ago. Last year was kind of banged up, but wasn't bad by any means. Yeah. I think he's a pretty good quarterback. And you 
it sounds like even before they traded him that they were just dying to give this guy away. Mm-hmm. So I think the Rams absolutely fleeced them in this deal. And who knows, maybe Chip Kelly works his magic with Bradford. But, I yeah, I don't understand it at all. I would take Nick Foles all day over Bradford, much less not give up you know an extra second-round pick on top of the trade. Yeah, and the jury is still out on Foles somewhat, but his 2013 is one of the greatest seasons in history. I mean, we're... And it's 30 times better than anything Bradford's ever done. <laughs> it's better than anything Bradford ever did at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't understand. And the fact that other teams were also in on Sam Bradford, it, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe that. It's not like Sam Bradford has been in the league a couple years. He was drafted in 2010. Yeah, we've seen him. Yeah, and he's missed three seasons because of injuries. He had one where he played like 12 games and only had six touchdown passes. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick had six touchdown passes in a game last year. Yeah. I, I don't get that one at all. I'm, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen. I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah, be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just want to... <laughs> Uh, Chip Kelly's sitting in a room thinking, well, we need to run more read options, so get rid of Birdman here, and I'm going to need a guy who tore his ACL the last two years running out of bounds each time. So yeah. that's definitely going to be good. Um, yeah, really weird. The Rams might be fun to watch this year, though. Yeah, I mean, they might be our only hope to maybe slow down Seattle a little bit and give us a better chance at home field. Yeah. So the Seahawks, mentioning them, uh, traded for Jimmy Graham, but they've lost quite a bit quietly uh, offensive line they lost like two or three guys that, that defense has been gutted who did they lose besides Byron Maxwell um I can't remember now oh he, so they, he, I mean, okay and I think they might have lost Malcolm Smith that their middle linebacker they lost I, Malcolm Smith yep yeah the, their Super Bowl MVP yeah so maybe I'm just wrong with that but uh, go on what do you think about them they signed Will Blackman though so we'll oh be, okay we'll be where. <laughs> I can't believe he's still around yeah um well, yeah, I, I think they got better still, and I'll have to look at their whole defense and who they all lost, but I think Jimmy Graham is a huge piece for them on offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you become so much more dynamic. You sign Marshawn Lynch back, which I thought he was just gone. Mm-hmm. I, it seemed like he didn't want to have anything to do with Seattle in the middle of the year. So, um, I mean, they're still the best team in the NFC, I would say, probably the best team in the NFL, <laughs> so I still don't want to mess with them, and I think they're probably a little better even. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how Graham works. It's scary that Russell Wilson will have, you know, somebody to throw to, but yeah. I don't know. At the same point, we'll see. He's never he really had a guy like that where he can just, I mean, he he likes to sling it around, and he's never had a guy like this. I mean, they thought they had it with, with Sidney Rice for a while. They mm-hmm. thought they had it with Percy Harpin, but none of them really panned out. Yeah, but half of his passes were scrambly throwaways last year. And that was with a good offensive line, and they lost like a ton of guys in the middle. They lost Max Unger. They've lost some other guys in there. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I just imagine that Russell Wilson's going to have a completion percentage of eight percent next year <laughs> with like uh, four hundred incompletions that he threw out of bounds. Yeah, probably. Uh, so we'll see, but I I still like kind of how the Packers match up, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes forward. Uh, yeah, I was going to talk about. Uh, the Dolphins, but now mentioning Jimmy Graham, the Saints have completely gutted themselves, and they say yeah. everybody but Drew Brees is on the block, and it maybe is a, a little bit of a moment to appreciate Ted Thompson and how well they've taken care of the cap that they can keep everybody. They've never once had to gut this team in the decade that he's been in charge. Well, yeah, and they're all stories of their own, but you take a look around the NFC and you feel pretty darn good because all of a sudden New Orleans, San Francisco, and Philadelphia appear to be gone for the time being. Yeah. And those are three of your biggest competitors over the last, you know, four or five years. So it, uh, what they're doing in New Orleans is strange. They're obviously rebuilding, but you're doing it with a, a 30-year-old quarterback who's out going out of his prime and is yeah. going to be... 35-year-old you know, quarterback. Yeah, so I mean, he's on his way out, which maybe that's what they're planning for, is to kind of rebuild the team around a new quarterback eventually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really strange that they would do that. I mean, they weren't very good last year, and they got worse, for sure. Well, they had no choice but to do it. I mean, they yeah. basically went all in the last two years, and it didn't work, and so they were way over the cap. That's why they had to get rid of Jimmy Graham, and they, they've they been trying to get rid of even some of their young nucleus guys like uh Kenny Stills and stuff like that. So Yeah, their all-in was pretty weak, though. I mean, when you look at the <laughs> roster around Drew Brees, it's not like you're like, man, they're stacked. It yeah. just it felt like Jimmy Graham and Drew Brees and, and a bunch of fill-in guys already. So, yeah. 
But they got yeah. close. I mean, in, in 2013, when Seattle was just destroying everybody, they had, I think, number four offense and number four defense. And then they mm-hmm. got Jarius Bird, and it all just blew up in their face. But yeah. I picked and them. And they got rid of Rob Ryan right away after he did some nice work with them, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I picked them to, I think I picked them to go 12 and 4 or something last year. So obviously, that's proof that they were supposed to be really good, because clearly, yeah. I'm, I'm never wrong with picks. Um. Yeah, so they're strange. The Dolphins have decided that they're going to mortgage their future on a defensive tackle, so they're going to have really good, really, really good run defenses on a bunch of 8-8 eight eight teams. That, that's the strangest thing to me, too. I don't understand how you could justify that move. It's it's not like he was on a better team in Detroit, and they were not making the playoffs very often. And, and when they did this year, they lost in the first round. It's not like this guy can take your team. He's a defensive tackle. He's the best in the league probably, yeah. That doesn't warrant that kind of a pay, and it just seemed like a stupid move, mm-hmm. and it kind of makes me happy that he's going to be on an average team for the rest of his career <laughs> based on that contract. Yeah, absolutely. He can try to stomp on some new quarterbacks. and uh, Yeah, they lost him. They lost Fairley. That's another thing where Detroit paid all that money to keep a wide receiver and a quarterback, and they lost the, the core of that defense, which is really the only reason they were any good last year. Yeah, and the quarterback that they paid is kind of – turning out to be fairly average the last few years and getting exposed a little bit, too. So it mm-hmm. seems like he's a, a one-receiver kind of a guy. And because he had Calvin Johnson, maybe made his early career a little bit look look more than what it actually is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be hard for them to keep it up if those are their two cogs. You lose all these defensive pieces that gave you a good run defense, and now you're just that. Yeah, and the Packers are well beyond being afraid of any of their division rivals, but if you look at the Packers keeping Cobb and Bulaga and really not losing too much else, Tremont Williams hurts a little bit, but not much. And you look at the Bears losing Brandon Marshall and yeah. their whole coaching staff. You see the, the Lions losing a lot of that punch on the defensive line, and then you see the Vikings probably going to lose Adrian Peterson when it's all said and done so all the other teams are losing arguably their best player and then the Packers are just chugging away and should probably barring some disastrous injuries and some just really really uncharacteristic turmoil uh, should have a relatively bumpy or bump free road to what their fifth straight division championship yeah it's like not only in the division but in the league as a whole and there might be some better metaphors for this. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, but it's almost like the whole like the whole league decided to join in this giant world war to like fight for each other's resources. <laughs> and the Packers are like, yeah, that sounds great, but then they just kind of sit there on their resource-laden land mm-hmm. and just kind of hunker down and just <laughs> just keep what they have while everybody else blows each other up, and they just stand steady. And you know, now we're in one of the best, best positions to to make a Super Bowl run in the league. We've got to be. If not, you know, number one choice in, in Vegas with the gambling, I'd bet probably one, two, or three. I think they were two uh, last I checked. Or, or I think, no, I think, I can't remember, but the Patriots in Seattle obviously were there. But I think they, they in Seattle were tied for the NFC uh, championship. But then I think Seattle, for some reason, was given a better chance to beat New England yeah. than us. And even New England lost a couple of key guys, too. So I would think, I mean, they're they're probably right there as one or two for me. Yeah, definitely, and you you would think that eventually uh, New England would have to start regressing. I mean, Brady's going to be what thirty eight next year, and yeah, but yeah, you never know. You lose Revis, you lose Browner, you lose Will Fork. <laughs> I mean, that's got to take a toll. Yeah, but again, they're going to have a basically a free pass to a first round buy. You win two yeah. games, and you're back in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, who knows? I mean, those other AFC te- East teams look a little better, but you would still think until they prove otherwise that New England's going to win. Yeah, unless Sue gets five sacks a game, though, I don't see yeah. how the Dolphins are going to win that division. But who knows? Look, the Buffalo Bills, though. Yeah, look out for the Bills. Matt Castle's going to tear them up. <laughs> the Vikings got Mike Wallace, which is going to be interesting, and got rid of Greg Jennings, who already started talking about how he would would be okay reconciling with the Packers like any good jilted ex-lover would, uh, completing that circle of the bitter Greg Jennings breakup with the Packers. Um would you take Greg Jennings back at this point, or do we just we have too no. much depth? No, I don't want him back. I mean, oh. to be as classless as he was, and yeah, of course, like I'll always remember the Super Bowl run and all the time he spent here fondly. But to go out the way you did, and then to once it's over and you're released, you're like, oh yeah, take me back. Like that, it seems so pathetic. And he's already obviously way out of his prime. We've watched him closely with the Vikings for the last two years, and he's been bad. Yeah, so, how dare he not jump 40 feet in the air to catch balls that were? Uh, <laughs> okay, fair enough. But it's not like he was creating an impact. I mean, no. even a guy like Cordell Patterson, who yeah, that's um, 
Yeah, he, I mean, he was at least having an impact. Jennings was non-existent, yeah. so I don't want him back. I don't think he fits in. I don't even think he would be a top four receiver on the team anymore. Yeah, maybe in my uh, accelerating age, I get over these a lot faster. I mean, if you'd asked me ten years ago, I'd yeah. be like, you know what, Darren Sharper, well, I was right about him, but you know I, what I mean? <laughs> like, Nick Barnett, go away forever, I hate you, and now I'm like, yeah, whatever, Greg, if you say you're sorry, I'm it, no big deal. I'd, I'd still take Woodson and Driver back at this point. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, see, they're just like, but they're the way they went legends, out, it makes you though. want to back, even though you know they're probably not good enough to start anymore, but I'll take I'll take Driver and my starting three in a heartbeat just because I want to see him play again. Well, what about, uh, like, Driver and Woodson aren't good examples because they're Packer legends. Like, yeah. Absolutely. But, well, like, what about Nate Wayne? Would you take him back after uh, he went with the Eagles and was pointing first down like a million times when they clinched that Monday night game against us? <laughs> yeah, I don't still, know. Still mad about that? I'm not as mad about that. I, that wasn't quite as bitter on that one. But I mean, to go all these guys that go to the Vikings and their careers go into the ground, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they want to reconcile. I just I've got no sympathy for that anymore. What about James Jones? Would you take him back? Yeah, I again I don't know if he fits into the team even anymore <laughs> yeah. in our starting lineup. But I mean, he went to a, a non-competitor in the AFC, and I think he's still got a little sum left. I guess I'd take him back. Yeah, and. The main reason I wouldn't take Jennings back is I'm not that angry at him. I know he was, like, passive-aggressively bashing the Packers quite a bit, but, you know, he's not the first person in sports to do that. And Yeah. So uh, that doesn't really bother me that much, uh, but we don't need him. I think there's other guys that I want to see what happens, and like we've said repeatedly, like, you think about how great that receiving core is now. Well, I'm almost positive that sometime in day two, Ted Thompson is going to be like, well, the top of my draft board is some six foot three, four two running guy who nobody wants, so I'm going to draft him and he's going to be awesome like every other receiver I get. Yeah. So we definitely don't need 30-whatever-year-old Greg Jennings. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you probably get as much out of Aberderis or Janice as you get out of Jennings, so what's the point of signing a guy like that back who's yeah. old? <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, so that kind of wraps up uh, our talk about free agency. I'm sure we missed some things. There was so much going on uh, this past week. We'll kind of, once the schedule comes out, maybe we'll make some more predictions about who we think is going to be good and bad. But also, we have the biggest influx of new players not hasn't taken place yet, and that, of course, being the draft. Uh, which Do you even know when the draft is this year? I don't know. Uh, end of April. I don't know the specific date. Okay. It's always April uh, April in the 20s at some point. Yeah, but last year it was like May something. And Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, whenever it is, it'll happen, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. But the other big news this week was the retirement of former Badgers great Chris Borland after one year uh, citing fear of injury and uh, some other factors and mostly been praised for his decision, but a lot of people talking about what this might all mean. We have speculated for basically the entire existence of this show about how the NFL is going to change and what will happen if you lose support from high schoolers and college players and early retirements. And it's kind of starting to come to fruition in addition to Chris Borland, several other young guys like Jake Locker. um, I can't remember his name, the guy from the Steelers who was 27. Oh, Whirlids. Yeah, although his was more of a religious thing. He wants to become like a missionary. um, Gotcha. But the other guys. Jake Locker, I'm pretty sure, uh, accidentally flipped the light switch off and thought he had had another concussion. Uh, at his house, so fitting in with his Washington when he thought he had a concussion because his helmet got pulled down over his eyes. Yeah. Um, but is this a troubling sign for the NFL that these guys are making this decision? Well, I, I think all signs are pointing towards that being the case. I mean, you've got these guys retiring early. You hear more and more about you know kids not signing up for high school football and playing lacrosse or soccer or whatever. And I, I think it's definitely not a good sign. I'm not saying that sports going to die tomorrow, but mm-hmm. it, it sure seems like it, it can't be great for the league. Yeah. Uh, it's weird that the fans are so okay with it, and I don't know yeah. what that means as far as whether or not that's good for the league. At first, I'm like, it's bad if fans are openly admitting that the product they consume is not good uh, for the health of the people involved. But, yeah, I don't know. Part of me thinks... Even if these guys start to walk away early, at some point there's going to be somebody that replaces them, and I don't know. I, I don't know if the NFL will ever stay this popular, but you got to think that if they lose all the great athletes because they want to play other sports, you maybe have lesser athletes playing, but you know, wouldn't it just essentially just look like it did 
in the seventies when you had like slower. yeah I suppose everybody's at the same talent level then yeah. too so it's still you know essentially the same kind of thing just a little bit slower yeah and and that's not to be disparaging of the seventies that's saying that our lesser athletes of today have so many advantages in nutrition and fitness that they probably will play at the pace of the seventies uh, right don't beat me up Jack Tatum and all those other guys, but, um yeah so it'll be interesting to see what happens I I guess I I commend uh, Chris Borland and. If you weren't following Badger football, um, you might have missed that Chris Borland was basically a mess for most of his career at Wisconsin when it came to injuries as well. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, he he was a little undersized to play a linebacker. I don't know how long he would have played, but uh, just kind of a weird thing to see happen. I, I'm surprised at the reaction. Like, people are talking about it like Aaron Rodgers walked away. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a huge deal, but I guess we really haven't seen somebody so young do it at this point. At least, I yeah, when I saw the headline, I was like, wow. To me, it like it was shocking because we were Wisconsin fans and we know him well, and probably as a 49er fan, I figured, but I had no idea it was going to be national news like this. But I guess he's 24 and at least made a name for himself in the NFL last year, so it's a big deal with the concussion stuff going around. So mm-hmm. I was shocked too at how big of a, a headline it was. They're still talking about it today on, on sports radio. Yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely uh, has the potential to be a game changer. So we'll see how that change is going on. It, the first thing that made me kind of jump is like, oh, think about who are the other smart guys, you know, in the NFL, and you're like, gosh, I hope Randall Cobb or Aaron Rodgers doesn't decide they yeah. want to leave like after next year. But we'll have to see what happens. And on, on another note, the fact that Wes Wilker is still trying to get oh, signed God, with another yeah. team. I, when I saw that, I was like, no way. Like, please retire now. <laughs> like, this guy's going to get himself killed, but he won't quit. Yeah. And the, the I don't know who started the rumor, but people are talking like um, that he's going to come to Green Bay, which that makes less sense than Greg Jennings. Yeah, I saw an article on it, and I think it was some obscure dot com site. I don't know if there's anything to it. Probably just some speculation that was thrown out there. I I would be really shocked if that happened. Yeah, the only one I saw it on was like Acme Packing something, and I like that website. They have some good bloggers, but I don't trust them as a valued insider scoop news source. Yeah, well, I, I can see maybe if you didn't re-sign Cobb, you want somebody that can get open in the slot, which I don't even know if Welker can do that anymore, but that would be the only way I would see that. Now that you have Cobb, there's absolutely no reason to bring a guy like that in. Yeah, what did he get, like two concussions on his last four catches or something like that? Yeah, I'm I mean, sure. It, it was bad, so yeah, I hope uh, they don't get Wes Welker. Plus, they have to be meeting some kind of quota with all these Bolitnikoff-style receivers. <laughs> they would have four of them on one team. That would be a record this side. Well, that was my thought initially when they wanted to bring him in is maybe he wants to coach up all these completely, exactly the same receivers <laughs> as him so he can teach them to be as good as he was in his prime. I mean, they're all the exact same prototype. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it would be very difficult to tell the four of them apart if they were all on the field at the same time, so it might confuse the defense. Okay, so let's talk about some of the Facebook comments we got. Just some great participation from all of you. Uh, you gave many good topics for us to discuss, and some of them are kind of uh, intensive, so I don't know if we'll be able to talk about all of them super in-depth. But uh, I encourage everybody to keep the conversation going on the Facebook page if we don't get to it. But we'll try to do as much as we can here. So our first question, I'm just going to do these in whatever order I see them in. Chris Stanzale uh, said, I have a draft-related question. With the recent news that Tremont is now going to Cleveland of all places, what do you think is the most dire need for the Packers to address in the first or second round? As a follow-up, who do you think would fill the most important uh, need the best? I think the top three needs are inside linebacker, cornerback, and defensive tackle in that order. I'd love to see them draft inside linebacker Denzel Perryman out of Miami in the first. It seems that he is great at stopping the run and can actually tackle. So we'll get to that one first before we talk about the rest. Uh, Chris, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have not yet flipped that draft switch on. Uh, I agree with your assessment. I feel like cornerback is a bit more of a risk or a need position than the inside linebacker right now just because uh, I think Barrington kind of solidified himself as a serviceable inside linebacker, and you always have that Clay Matthews option, which was incredibly successful last year. So, And and as far as drafting somebody... uh, I think Ted is going to take best player available. If there's a just killer defensive end or outside linebacker that's available, he's either going to take them or he's going to trade back and try to get more value. I don't think I don't think any of their needs are dire enough that it's going to force Ted's hand to take somebody he doesn't think is worth the uh, 30th pick. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. I, I think you need an inside linebacker, you need a corner, you need a D tackle. But at the same point, I think 
you know, like you said, you have the option at Clay at middle linebacker, and I think he's probably even more dynamic there, although he probably wants to get back to the outside. Barrington was good at the end of last year. He was really good at times. Mm-hmm. So I I think that I would probably even say right now D-tackle is number one for me, in my opinion, because you don't have anybody there right now. Mm-hmm. I think they'll probably sign someone. But I guess that's what I would say first. But like you said, they're not going to draft on that. They'll they'll make sure maybe by need in the fourth or fifth round to take one of those positions that they haven't already. Mm-hmm. But they'll uh, they'll take whatever's there. And I, I've seen every pretty much mock draft has had this Perryman guy there. And I've watched Miami a little bit, but I, I don't remember him too much, so it's hard for me to say you know an exact breakdown on him. But I'd be okay with that, I guess. But I don't know enough about the guy. I've seen so few Miami Hurricanes games in recent years that if you say Miami Perryman, I'm thinking Brett Perryman, yep. the, the wide receiver. So, uh, Chris has another question. Do you think the team should have made a run at Revis? With the way the defense improved last year, I feel that Revis would have propelled this defense to become an elite defense a la Reggie White. However, after seeing the contract Revis got at his current age, I feel that it was for the better to let him go to the Jets. I'll yeah. let you go first, Matt. Yeah, that's a dangerous game to play because, I mean, you do feel like you could get him this year and he could be the difference for you. But then after that, you're tied to that huge contract with all these other guys you have to re-sign. So it's basically a one-year gamble to win a championship, and then your whole offensive line's gone. You lose all these other guys after that because you did this. So I agree with them not really pursuing him too much. With that contract he got, like he mentioned, once you see the contract, you're like, there's no way. But Yeah. uh, I, they definitely made the right choice. If it was ever even a thought, they made the right choice by not doing it. Yeah, they they had a slightly better chance to trade for Peyton Manning than they did to <laughs> land Darrell Revis. Yeah, and I, I I pretty much agree with everything you said. It's easy to say we're a piece away from going to the Super Bowl, so should, we should go for broke, and then you realize that 25 other teams have done the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to put yourself in salary cap hell when you're so close as it is to put all the money on this year because if you take care of your cap, you're a player away in 2015, 16, 17, and 18. Yeah, right. So I think you just need to be careful with that game. Darrell Revis definitely wasn't uh, worth that gamble in my opinion. Okay, Eric Hansen, uh, another one of our, our great fans. Here's a what-if topic. What if Antonio Freeman hadn't dropped Favre's second down pass inside the red zone on the final drive of Super Bowl 32? Do you think the Packers end up scoring a touchdown to tie the game up and win it in overtime, or do you think they still would have lost if the Packers were able to come out or pull out the come-from-behind victory in that game? How does that affect both Favre and Elway's legacies and both the Broncos and Packers moving forward? So we talked a bit about the legacies uh, in the previous episode that uh, Corey Bend actually uh, linked in this uh, chain. So as far as the long-term ramifications, we can talk, or, uh, we've talked about that in, in that aspect. And uh, admittedly, I'm not remembering exactly what I, I said was going to happen there. But I, whatever I said back in 2013, I stand by today. I'm sure it was brilliant. <laughs> um, as far as that drop, honestly, I've heard people talk about the Freeman drop. Do you recall this play at all, Matt? Um, it was right. Yeah, when I saw that, I didn't off the top of my head. I mean, it's probably been like I try to avoid watching that game every time it comes on NFL Network or, or anything yeah. like that. So I, I, I haven't seen that game in so long that I don't specifically recall the play. I actually just watched the game a couple months ago, and it was the play before the Robert Brooks layout where Atwater kills. Uh, Ray Crockett and they're all dead on the field yeah. right before yep. the fourth down and so what happens is Freeman is open-ish over the middle and Favre guns it to him and it looks like he, if he would have caught it they'd have been down to like the 15 yard line and I haven't seen any of the NFL films versions of that in a long time because I, I can watch the actual broadcast game but I don't have the stomach to watch the NFL film stuff with the slow motion John Elway jumping in the air and the slow yeah, motion disgusting. Yeah, I I can't take it. So I can only watch the actual broadcast in real time but there's not a very good angle of this. They only show it once and then they start speculating about the next play. So I'm all not all that convinced of how bad of a drop it is and I could be wrong but to me it's in that class with James Jones where people always talk about how James Jones dropped a 70 yard touchdown in the Super Bowl when it was a laser shot right to his chest Uh, that would have been a ridiculously difficult catch to do in stride with a guy in your face and I feel like this Freeman catch was in that category where people call it a drop because he got his hands on it but it would have been an incredible catch uh, to pull in the rocket ball I think if he catches it 
again, it's been a couple months, and I didn't watch that play all that closely. If he doesn't score on that play, I still think their odds of scoring are not great. Uh, they had Mark Chimura in his in his prime there, and he was he was a force in the first half. In the second half, he'd kind of gone away, um, and, and Freeman was hot, so they were they were doing stuff with him. But uh, I think that if they score which I would say, I don't know, maybe a 30% chance of scoring against that Denver defense right there. Uh, if they score, I think they have to win the coin toss. And they had, oh, I, I don't know even why I watched that game this, this past January, but it was so frustrating. They had like a million penalties. It was as bad as I ever saw that group play. And uh, I'd watched a ton of the 97 season leading up to that point. It was about as devastating as it can be watching a game, you know exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I don't know if history changes that much. Uh, I, I still think Denver had the Packers on the ropes. So the Packers would have obviously had a much better chance of winning if, if Freeman catches that. But I still think that if you play that game 100 times, Denver still wins 65. Yeah. Uh, nothing to add? No. I, and in terms of his next question with legacy, I mean, if the Packers do by chance want to win that, I, the, the interesting question would be if, if Elway were to come back, you would think he might just call it quits after losing another Super Bowl. That might change some things with them, and he never won a Super Bowl, and maybe the Falcons and Chris Chandler get a Super Bowl title. Or the Minnesota Vikings, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's, well, I don't know. If... It, can you make them, yeah, it's, it's always the, the ultimate conundrum when you're doing what Yeah, because anything could change. Yeah, if, if you change Elway, does that change... The Vikings beating Atlanta, or you know, the butterfly effect, kind of, you know, yeah. doesn't change everything. But yeah, that'd be interesting. And um, who would have won that division that year then? Um, like the Chiefs or something like that? That'd have been weird. Or Warren Moon's uh, Seahawks, perhaps? I don't nice. know. Yeah, so uh, maybe Elway would have retired. And what what is his legacy if he's 0 for 4 in Super Bowls? Well, probably not in the discussion of best quarterback of all time. I, it seems like that's kind of what bolts him over a guy like Marino at this point. Whereas if he doesn't have that, mm-hmm. he lost, a, you know, a hundred Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, he's probably not in that top of the discussion like he is now, but still considered a, an all-time great. Probably he'd still be off of your list, though. Way off, yeah. I mean, he was, <laughs> but I mean, think of how few people consider Fran Tarkington a top quarterback, and he retired with all the Marino, Favre, Manning records. Yep, that's true. Now Elway would be that guy, except 150 touchdowns behind all of those guys. Yep. So yeah, that definitely would have been interesting. Favre's this changes Favre because I think Favre right now is a hard argument to make that he's a top five quarterback of all time, and if he's two and zero in Super Bowls, even yeah. every other play of his career is identical to how it was. That's definitely a game changer for him. Right, and even in terms of Packer legacy, I mean, right now he and Rodgers are, it seems like, pretty much neck and neck, whereas he still kind of has the edge in that category, I think, if he's got a second. Oh, absolutely, and I would argue he still has the edge right now, having just yeah. been to a second one. But but granted, Rodgers never played on a top defense for three, four years in a row, like Favre got to. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then Eric Hansen actually had another question Given all the changes to the in the personnel department for the 49ers and the fact that Seattle will be traveling to Green Bay next year, is this the year that the Packers finally beat the 49ers and Seahawks, and what's their best chance for winning both of those games? Uh, yeah, that's one of the glaring things that came out of last year is we all said, hey, the Packers are here now and they can compete with these teams, but compete is not the same as beat, and they're still, what, 0 for 6 against the those uh, teams that you mentioned there, or 0 for 7 now. So... I think the 49ers aren't going to be a problem. That defense is going to stink. That offense doesn't have a lot of weapons anymore. They, their coach seems like a buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they're going to beat the 49ers pretty easily. Uh, Seattle's still going to be a rough one. Uh, the, the thing that scares me is not necessarily playing Seattle at Lambeau. It, it would be awesome to win, but it's a regular season game. Who cares? Uh, giving them a chance to see you and then potentially having to play them again is what scares me. Yeah, you're, that's a good point. I didn't really think about that. It'd be, it would be nice, though, to just get the win over them, but you don't like your chances to beat that team twice in a year. Yeah. Um, as far as their best chance to win, I think they got to do what they almost did against Seattle last time, and if their running game is even worse uh, for Seattle and the Packers' defense is somewhat the same with potentially Clay Matthews inside, I mean, they pressured the heck out of Russell Wilson. and uh, So I think that's that's the formula, and mistake-free on offense and hope for the best, and I think that's, that's going to be the formula forever, as maddeningly as it is. It hasn't worked, but it's been close. Uh, yeah, they're closer than they've been. Yeah, absolutely. They're not getting run off the field like they were in 20, uh, 2012. And, uh, yeah, 2012. 
Daniel Johnson uh, has something on here. Uh, that was the worst lead-in ever to a question. Has something here. <laughs> he put something on here for us. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Boyd Dollar, Jerry Kramer, and Lynn Dickey continuing to be snubbed by the Hall of Fame. So these are just general comments. Uh, Boyd Dollar, uh, Jerry Kramer for sure is a snub. Yep. If you think Lynn Dickey snubbed from the Hall of Fame, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah, Kramer for sure. That one still blows my mind, though. Yeah, I, I almost just think people think he's in already, so nobody votes for him. Yeah. Uh, Boyd Dowler is kind of, you know, you can't put everybody in from the Lombardi teams. You can't just say that every single one of the 22 starting roster was a Hall of Famer. And I think Boyd Dowler is kind of on the cusp of that, where Boyd Dowler might have been a great player, but, you know, you can argue that 14 of his teammates were better, so it's right. It's hard uh, argument to make for him. That's kind of the weird thing with those older teams that were, you know, big time Super Bowl winners. Is you just know the names. Like as us growing up, we know Boyd Dowler, but I I can't say for certain that Boyd Dowler was, you know, an incredible player. It's just his name is associated with championships in those teams. So you're like, oh yeah, well, how is Boyd Dowler not in the Hall of Fame? So I mean, he may very well deserve it, but mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of players on a lot of the teams like that, like the '70s Cowboys and Steelers and, and other teams like that, maybe the '80s 49ers mm-hmm. that make it to the Hall of Fame that were probably not as good as some of their peers, but they're associated with those championships. Yeah, he's potentially the Packers John Taylor of that yeah. year, of that year. And um, I, I delved into Boyd Dollar's stats a little bit more closely a couple years ago, and he's he's very comparable to like Antonio Freeman. So I mean, super solid player. And, uh, you know, reminds me of Wes Welker out there, I would say. So he's pretty good with that. Who should the Packers draft? I think they should draft whoever is good. Um, I, I really don't know, like we said before, but I think they're going to take best player available. Last year, when they supposedly needed an inside linebacker so bad, they didn't even draft one. So I think they're going to just pick who they think is good, and it's going to be somebody you never heard of, and they're going to end up being pretty decent. So I'm not yeah, too- it, It's impossible to project, especially when you're at the end of the first round. I mean, if you're top five, you can project all day long, but yeah. you have no idea who's going to be there. They're probably going to trade back, so it's a, it's kind of yeah. dumb at this point to project for that pick. Yeah, not a lot of mock drafts in 2005 had Aaron Rodgers going to the Packers. No. So it's kind of that way. The, the back end of the draft is a crapshoot. It's practically a second-round pick. Yeah, I mean, last year was really the first year that any of the mock drafts got the Packers pick right, I would guess. I mean, a lot of people thought Clinton Dix, and that's what happened. But other than that, I mean, they never stay put, and when they do, it's somebody that you didn't expect. Yeah, definitely. Uh are there any free agents the Packers should try to get? Uh, at this point, I don't know if there's anybody you really need to target. If there's a few bargains and some neat areas that you think you can pick up, I would totally do it. But there's nobody that's glaring to me that you should really make any kind of great effort to get left at this point. I mean, Will yeah, Fork I, is intriguing, but that's about it. Yeah, and he's gone now. I, I don't oh, know if Terrence oh, Knighton is still out there, okay. but I would I would like them to make a run at him if possible if you can't get Raji because it seems like you can get a pretty good deal for that and really solidify the middle of that line. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been talked about like one of the best D-tackles in the game, but he's not getting a deal anywhere, so mm-hmm. maybe they know something that I don't, but it seems like he was a pretty good player and you could get him for pretty cheap. Yeah, Matt's strategy is better than mine since he targets players who are actually free agents. Uh, I target players <laughs> who have already been signed by other people. So uh, I think Matt's – if either of our strategies are going to work, I, I think Matt's has a better chance. It could it could work. <laughs> it could work. It's like uh, Travis Henry is going to be Rookie of the Year when he was <laughs> for uh, Emmett Smith. Um, why keep Scott Tolzien? Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier. I, I think that even in 2013 when he had been here for a couple of weeks, the upside – from Scott Tolzien was very, very apparent, and I think that had they not been in complete free fall, that they would have let him stay in in 2013, and he would have righted the ship. And right. I, I think another year under the belt, and it comes down to this again: if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, you don't stand a chance. You're just going to hold on for dear life and hope he hopes he comes back, or hope he comes back. If it's the worst case scenario and he's out for the year, what difference does it make anyways? So you may as well mm-hmm. keep a guy who's smart, is going to execute what Mike McCarthy wants him to do, and has the potential to make all the throws that your offense requires, and Scott Tolzien has all those. Right. Yeah, and on a team like this, you can't really give a contract to a guy that you ex- you expect to start as a number two at times. I mean, you just got to pay too many other players. A guy like Tolzien's a bargain, so I'm, I'm glad to have him back. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 2016 Hall of Fame class predictions. Uh, Brett Favre, I think, will get in. I'm thinking yep. that if Favre gets in, it might hurt Kurt Warner's chances of going in next year because he's not going to look good by comparison, <laughs> I wouldn't think. Um, who else retired after 2010? 
Um, gosh, I, I would have to have some. Yeah, it's hard to remember that, but I, I think both those guys deserve it. Favre will be a, a shoe in, and he'll be the head of the class, I'm sure. I don't, like, like you said, I don't remember who else retired. Marvin but I, Harrison I would hope will Warner go in, I think. Rodney Harrison, you said? No, uh, Marvin Harrison. Oh, Marvin Harrison, yeah, he might. So, yeah. I would have to take a look at that, but maybe we'll do that uh, as we get closer and take a look at some of those lists. Uh, your yep. thoughts on the free agent mo- uh, free agency moves and trades? Uh, we had that earlier in the episode. And if you're the Eagles, what do you give up to a team to trade up and get Marcus Mariota? If I'm the Eagles, I don't give up much, but the Eagles apparently will give up anything and everything to get somebody that they think is pretty good. So I, I think they might trade the, the trademark, perhaps the stadium, and the uh, the Geno's Philly cheesesteak recipe <laughs> to, to potential, and probably Sam Bradford, who apparently has incredible value to a bunch of delusional general managers. Yeah, they could probably just trade Sam Bradford straight up for the first overall pick. <laughs> I, I think that's pretty much done now that they've got Bradford. I don't think there's any way they move up, considering they give up a second-round pick for him. But yeah. you never know. I mean, it seems like they got something crazy going on there, so it could still happen. I imagine Sam Bradford and Rick Meyer just hanging out with each other, be like, can you believe these guys? They think <laughs> we still got it. Yeah. Uh, so, Daniel, I'm sorry we kind of rushed through yours there, but uh, definitely appreciate you commenting there and, We'll get back to you on the Hall of Fame one, because that's a really interesting topic always to discuss, so maybe later in the off season. And uh, then the rest of it was kind of uh, Corey and uh, Eric discussing the Super Bowl 32, which is always fun to talk about. And also, Corey did send us an email that we'll uh, try to get to real quickly here, and that is, what if, the, if Sterling Sharp had not gotten injured? And he, of course, got his uh, career-ending neck injury. He got a stinger against the Falcons in the second-to-last game in 94, and then he had the big injury against Tampa Bay. It's A lot of people don't remember it, and they don't show it very much, but it's one of the more scary injuries I've ever seen in sports. He kind of is diving forward. He gets his head hit kind of lightly, and you just see his arms kind of go numb. And by the end of the game, he's fine. He's joking around and walking around, and uh, turned out he would never, ever play again. So uh, very... Uh, yeah, for, for Sterling Sharp, a scary situation, and one of the biggest what-ifs in Packers history. I don't know what happened to that email. Where did it go? Like, well, it was basically what happened if he he stuck around and uh, was on the Super Bowl teams, right? So he was yeah. around for the rest of his career. Yeah, so I was trying to scroll here, and it vanished off of my phone here. So, Corey, I'll have to track that down and, and share your thoughts of what would happen had he stayed. But what do you think, Matt, had Sterling Sharp not gotten hurt in 94? He was 29 years old. And so with a player as, as good as him, uh, he could have been here for a number of years. Yeah, well, I, I think he at least bolsters that uh, that Super Bowl team, and maybe they don't go out and get Andre Risen. Mm-hmm. But I think that that stays the same. I don't think you beat the Cowboys in 95 still. I think you still beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I guess the big question would be to go back to 97 again. Like, is that the difference maker against the Broncos if he's healthy and elite? Yeah. Um. Which is, it's so hard to tell that if you have another weapon, yeah, maybe he could have been the difference because it was such a tight game. But mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm not willing to say, you know, as a 31 year old Sterling Sharp, the difference in that Super Bowl, I guess I would say maybe not. So mm-hmm. I, I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer, but I think Packers history stays mostly the same other than the fact that he probably has a lot of receiving records for the Packers. Yeah, I think that's the big one. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. I, I think that not too much changes from the other aspects or winning more games at the end of the day as much as he was awesome he's still a wide receiver and Sterling Sharp is great he's one of my favorite players to watch of all time but Robert Brooks had 1500 yards receiving in 20 or in uh, 1995 and Antonio Freeman had 1297 and 1498 it's not like they were missing Sterling Sharp all that much i mean yeah. those guys played Every bit is good, you know, self-contained in individual seasons, so they don't have the complete resume that Sterling Sharp did. But from year to year, they were having somebody on that team that was getting Sterling Sharp-esque production every single year. And so I, I think, you know, you talk about Super Bowl 32, they weren't short receiver help in that game. Antonio Freeman, if he catches the ball that we talked about in Eric Hansen's question, he's the MVP of that Super Bowl, hands down. He had a phenomenal game. So... Yeah, I, I don't know, and there's a rumor that I've never seen a ton elaborated on, but there was talk that Ron Wolf 
kind of butted heads at times with Sterling Sharp, and there was talk that had he not gotten injured after 94, they were going to release him anyways. Um, I never heard a ton about that, but that's something I had heard. Sure. Which would have been interesting. Yeah, it completely ruins the what-if, unless he lands somewhere else and makes a big impact. Yeah, what if, he probably would have signed with Dallas, and they would have won in the Super Bowl in 96 and 97. So Yeah. Okay, so... Again, there's a lot on there, so if uh, you're listening to the show and you haven't yet gotten involved in this Facebook page, definitely do it. There's always some great discussion, and don't shy away from anything because we have uh, us, Matt and I, but also our, our great loyal fans. We love to talk anything old school, new school, future, anything that did, is, and could possibly happen in, NFL, in the NFL. Uh, it's all fair game, and so if you haven't gotten involved yet, I definitely encourage you to do so because it's a lot of fun and and uh, sometimes we have some serious discussions, and sometimes we talk about Akili Smith for a really, really yeah. long time, almost all weekend. So, so a lot of fun there. So, we didn't get a chance to talk about the draft at all, and I don't think we're going to do a draft preview show as we said last year. Matt and I are not the best source for this, especially with a team like the Packers, who always drafts people I don't expect them to. Uh, I mean, outside of Eddie Lacy, I don't think they've ever picked somebody I expected them to draft or wanted them to draft. So we'll. We'll hit you up on the other side of the draft. And uh, before we go, Matt, we got to make some March Madness picks. Um, I introduced myself as Eric from Appleton at the beginning of this pro- podcast, and I've been doing it in my new man cave. i got three TVs in here, one huge one, one medium-sized one, and one small one. It's like it's like Batman when he's watching all nice. of the, so I told. So you must be making quite a bit of money off this podcast then. Oh, I am. Just I'm rolling in the dough. <laughs> I, I had all this hooked up, and... Yeah, so it, it's good to go. I watched VCU go down. I was going to say spoiler alert, but that would be like the inverse of what's happening. Somehow you hear the podcast before real, real life yeah. happens. Uh, so I don't think we're going to be spoiling anything. Uh, Ohio State beat VCU, which I think I picked the other one. But the Badgers play tomorrow night, and so do you think they got a chance to take it all the way? I think they definitely do. Um, I guess I'll be like everybody else and pick Kentucky if I have to pick somebody. But mm-hmm. I think if, if anybody can do it and take them out, I think the Badgers have a better chance than pretty much anybody. Yeah. They, they kind of scare me a little bit, though, in the Big Ten tournament. If you can just barely beat Michigan State by that much and you get some help by the refs at the end, I'm kind of scared to play Kentucky. Yeah, but they still 11-0 run them in, the, in overtime. And what, they outscored them like 50-12 to 12 <laughs> in like the last yeah. few minutes. But, yeah, and... The thing that scares me is tomorrow. I have said for years that I'm sure that Bo Ryan's team will get a one seed one day and be the first to lose to a 16 seed. Um, granted, this is not the same as those old boring Badger teams. They can score from the inside and, and still play their great defense. So I'm not too worried in this case, but uh, part of me will sigh a huge uh, or have a huge sigh of relief tomorrow if the, if the Badgers are able to beat Coastal Carolina. I actually did pick the Badgers because I figured everybody in the world was picking Kentucky and it would give me potentially more points if Kentucky goes down. Yeah, I was pretty pumped when I looked at my work pool brackets today and out of the 12 people, only two had picked Kentucky as I did and like eight had picked Wisconsin, so I think I made the right choice. Yeah, see, in a localized bracket like that... Yeah, it's it's different. Yeah, but I'm talking... I only did one on like the mass Yahoo one where you're playing against the whole country and everybody's bracket stinks now because what, two 14 seeds won today, so... Uh, before we wrap up, I just had to ask, because we talk about a lot of history on here, and, and we're all-around sports fans, which is better, the old-school CBS exclusive coverage where you turned on CBS and you watched it all day and they gave you wraparound coverage to different games, or the new one where you can watch any of the games on four different channels? Well, I think in terms of coziness, the old way was <laughs> was one number one in that, but I, I definitely prefer this, that you can watch any game now. It's... Clearly the better way, and you can watch, in your case, watch multiple games at once, and if you're, they have a boring one on, you can at least control changing the channel. So yeah. they did a pretty good job in the past of, of swapping them around so you could see the, the entertaining games, but this is a lot better. Yeah, although they give you control, but it might be a little bit too much control. I mean, when you got the three screens like me, like I said, it reminds me of Batman. When the cable man or cable guy came here, I said, i got to watch all the games. And he said, <laughs> he said at what cost? So, so it's it's a moral uh, moral problem when you're watching this many games at once. He said, "I'll set these TVs up for you, but then I'm wiping my hands of this." <laughs> yeah, and he had to put in his name to activate it. So, <laughs> so someday when I move out of here, he'll put it in, and my my man cave will be no more. 
right, now I want to watch The Dark Knight in addition to these three screens yep. worth of basketball. So, uh, much longer than we expected, but hopefully uh, this was a somewhat enjoyable podcast for you. We'll see you on the other side of the draft. So, whenever the draft was, we weren't sure. After that is when you'll hear from us again. So, for Matt in Altoona, I am Eric from Appleton. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hit us up on the Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook, and uh, give us your comments. Take care, everyone.